My name is Rob Koifman of Koifin, and I am panicked about all the AI chatbots taking over the world. Oh, les K-Nut. Ça va, monsieur. I was just out with All-Star Charts the other day. You were? Dude, he ran up a bill on me. <laughs> I think he thought I was going to pay it, and he was ordering. He had a sommelier. He is a sommelier, and he ordered a sommelier over to our table. Just, first of all, the whole fucking thing's a scam. This wine thing's a scam. Uh, it's just <laughs> a bunch of people talking to each other in fancy words. Just any wine goes with any food, okay? High alcohol with any food works. Okay, that's good. That's how the Japanese Norwegians sing. drink uh, whiskey with Is there sushi? wine in Norway, or, or it can't grow because it's dark 24-7? We have two types of wine, red and white, <laughs> I think. Ethan, you're not old enough to drink? Nope. All right. Do, you, do we arrange a guest, or is it just us chattering? No, again? I think there's a guest on here, and, and he's a repeat, repeat guest. guest yep. The hairiest guy in Fintwit. Really? We're trying to get him to be the spokesman for Manscaped. But no one knows him, so the, the jokes kind of doesn't work because he's not famous. He's very low-key. So there's three products that I use in finance. One is StockTwits. The second is uh, Pornhub. Um, <laughs> yeah. Incognito, everybody. Never not incognito. You got that, Ethan? Notes. And what was the third? Oh, Coifin. So it's pretty high company that Coifin finds itself in here. You know, StockTwits, Pornhub, Coifin. And then way down on the list, if, you know, you have slow internet, it's just Pornhub without the incognito. That's if I'm using Max's iPad. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, Max. You've been thrown under the table a few times in the Linson household. So, anyways, Ethan, have you heard of Pornhub? I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you Earlier. think? you think uh, Bruce Burke has? You know, Grandpa I don't Bruce? Know. That's a good question. I'd like to have Grandpa Bruce on and just talk with Bruce. See what guys that age are doing. Yeah, I trade stocks and I go to Pornhub. And uh, so, Grandpa Bruce. Yep. And I'm not uh, sending this one over to him. <laughs> Could you maybe have this off at this point? Listen, it's on the mailing list. Don't worry about it. Am I the only one it. that goes to Pornhub? Is that what we're saying here? Yes. You know? Really? There's what been is some the innovation Norwegian? What is the Norwegian version of Pornhub? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know it's if they have one. Hub. Dot kit. What is Norwegian.com? Uh, .no. Oh, dot .no. .no. So Pornhub.no. Search that. What comes up? Probably a bunch of seals and whales and uh, scantily clad Norwegian women. Uh, <laughs> That'll be all right. Dude, I, I don't even know where I come up with this stuff. I'm on fire. And you know why I am? Because I just had a Dairy Queen kids vanilla dipped in chocolate, which, oh. honestly, God, it's like 10 milligrams of Adderall <laughs> plus, uh, plus 300 calories. Yeah. All right. So we have Rob from Coifin on. See how I tied it all together? Um, Beautiful. No, not a good segue, you're saying? Very loose, very sloppy. So uh, Rob's a good friend of mine. Social Leverage, our uh, seed investors in Coifin back in uh, 1999. It's been a slow burn. Now, we were seed investors, I think, back in 2017, maybe 18. Rob and I have known each other a long time. A lot of laughs. The guy is building really an incredible product. Do you use Coifin? Every day. Uh, Ethan, you were intern there. I did. This is a reunion. Yep. 
Did you say hello to Rob? Do you, yeah. Does he even know you're on? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. He can't fire you from this job. He can't. No. Uh, that was the rumor. Is that a rumor? What? That he fired you? Uh, <laughs> He's say. tough. Uh, so Rob is here. He started Coifin, which I think is, not that these mem kids care about fundamentals, but I do. Uh, we'll let Rob describe it. He's building like a massive engine for financial analysis and, and uh, investing. And Canute is asking me to raise my voice. Raise my voice. Yes, please. Thank you. So, um, so we're going to have him on and we're going to talk about the markets because he also loves the markets. So we're going to take kind of a digression, talk about the product, talk about uh, this crash and just talk about the world and how people are reacting. He can probably see it through how people are behaving on the site without giving up any, you know, data. And so I'm excited to have him. He has a, uh, a really good business too, which is exciting. And so we'll catch up on all that. Uh, it's K-O-Y-F-I-N.com. It's what I use to uh, keep track of the markets. So let's uh, get right. And he's panicked about AI, of course, because, you know, who isn't? Uh, Pornhub is not scared of AI. That's literally on their website. We're not scared of AI. So uh, let's get Rob on the phone. Rob, you are on if you still want to be on. I'm on. Hey, Howard. Hey, buddy. So you are in Miami Beach. You left very early during COVID. Uh, two, it's been two years. April uh, 2021. Oh, so you waited um, a year. Uh, yep. I uh, waited a year. came down here for when we had Archie for my wife's maternity leave and then decided to stay and, and made the final uh, kind of move down in April 2021. And you live in a very hipsterish cool part of south beach right it's like off the beaten path what like what part is it i don't know if it's very hipsterish it's on 16th and west that's mm-hmm. in a building called the flamingo which used to be a big party building but now is more it's like half party half family uh-huh. um so uh that's we're, interesting we're, vibe yeah we're the family part where and so is it loud on the weekends type thing where you have to yell at kids uh it's not loud but you definitely have like two different demographics here of people who are waking up at 8 a.m. like me to, uh, sorry, not waking up at 8 a.m., walking their dog at 8 a.m. with Archie, waking up a little earlier, and then people who are coming home at 8 a.m. and sort of going to sleep. So it's an interesting vibe. Now, do I call you Eastern European? You can call me whatever you want, Howard. But uh, if you refer to me- Would I call you Eastern European? If you called me Eastern European, you would not be incorrect. So you're Eastern European and and you're not ashamed of all your your body hair. So is it true that, and I think because you're in Miami, have you worn a Speedo since you moved to Miami? I have not worn a Speedo, but I do own a Speedo from um, from being in Europe many years ago. (laughs) Really? See, Euro. So you do have a Speedo. And Everyone in Europe has a Speedo. Do you have a Speedo? So you're going in I Norway. Will you wear a Speedo? I just don't wear it here. Will you wear one in Norway? I would. Hmm. If I was forced to. Hmm. I would never, <laughs> ever wear a Speedo. No. Ethan, would you wear a Speedo? Not sure. for me. I would love to wear a Speedo. Just I don't want to see people just making faces at me. The people that wear Speedos should not be wearing Speedos. The only people that should wear Speedos are in the Olympics, yet every Eastern European wears them. Have you worn one? Not before. Have you ever made a film with your girlfriend and you're wearing a Speedo? Banana hammock. (laughs) Banana hammock. So uh, how many people now are at Koifin? We are at about 30 people. 
So fantastic. And uh, I'm not going to get into the to the metrics, but the company's doing great. A uh, very lean operation. Didn't take a lot of capital. Um, and so what are you seeing? Like, what are you seeing in this valuation compression world that's different than what you were? I mean, obviously, you're still in growth phase, but what 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 is the change of habits that you've seen the most, if any, on Coifin? Yeah. So, you know, with our product, um, it's definitely more for a sophisticated audience that wants to get into the fundamentals, financials. Um, so even though we had a little bit of a tailwind when the whole meme craze happened and just so many people started trading, investing and looking at tools, um, really our demographic and our focus are those investors that are a little bit further along in terms of sophistication. And so we never... We didn't have the the bump in actual core users or revenue, right. nor did we have the, the decline. So we've seen a little bit of a slowdown or more of a slowdown in our basic plan, which is our lower price plan than other plans. But in our middle plan and our higher tier plan, which is aimed at financial advisors, we um, haven't seen that much of a slowdown and hasn't been correlated with the market. So that's been, um, that's been really nice to see. And you started the company 2016, 15, 17? Uh, started the company in 2016. And tell people what Coifin is in, in the shortest possible way, because you have a great vision. Yeah, so Coifin is a platform for investors to research stocks and other financial data. Uh, what we do is we really um, offer advanced functionality and access to all kinds of data, um, and we do it in an intuitive and affordable way. So that if you're a sophisticated investor and you want valuation data, financial data, macro data, we'll provide that and we'll give you a super sleek and modern interface to graph that data, create watch lists, create dashboards. Um, and the reason I started Coifin is after using Bloomberg and Faxon and CapIQ for 15 years on Wall Street, um, I was looking um, at alternatives after I left the hedge fund that I was at. And basically there was Yahoo Finance, there were some brokerage tools, and there was nothing that gave you really the, the advanced functionality of, of some of the kind of enterprise tools, the old legacy tools at, a, at an affordable price. Um, and so I thought there was a huge opportunity to create something that was sort of in the middle between a Bloomberg and a Yahoo Finance um, and something that was way more modern, something that, that wasn't an old legacy platform they had to download, they had to learn uh, shortcuts for, something that felt um, very intuitive and modern and, and felt more like Airbnb than it does a Bloomberg. And so we've um, worked really hard and focus on, on making sure that our functionality, our user experience is a lightning fast and people can find things very quickly. Um, and what Coifin is, is really becoming and the vision of Coifin is to be a Swiss army knife for financial data and analytics. And what that means is we'll have a platform that investors can choose from in terms of what they're looking at, the data they're looking for, the functionality that they need to do their job, and they could package that together and customize it for their workflow. So for example, if you're a fundamental investor, we'll have all that data for you. If you're a financial advisor, we'll have some of the data we have for fundamental investors, but in addition, we'll offer you mutual fund data and model portfolios. If you're a macro investor, we may give you some of the basic data like prices and news, but then focus on futures and real-time economic data so having that that access and that availability to pick and choose what you need for your workflow, that's really what we're building um, at Coifin today. Yeah, I mean, it really is such a great dashboard for me. So what was the, you, you were at Goldman and you were a vice president at Goldman? 
Um, I think I left as a vice president, yeah, which is a much lower rank than I think in the corporate world. I think in regular corporate world, VP is like a pretty senior position. At Goldman, VP is like, uh, like they're- Second year. Thou- thou- no, they're not second year, <laughs> but it goes analyst, associate, VP. So there's there's thousands of VPs. I mean, obviously you see all the emails. What What's the most fun when you see someone from a uh, a Goldman or a, a bank using, or is it mostly just, you know, financial advisors? What's the makeup? Obviously it's sophisticated investors, but I'm a sophisticated investor and I don't trade much. So what, like what, define what you mean by sophisticated investor. Yeah. Sophisticated is, is, is a pretty general word, but maybe a better description would be um, an advanced fundamental investor. So someone who's really kind of digging into company financials, fundamentals, uh, would be a, a more appropriate way to describe uh, who we're targeting. And that investor can be an individual who's never worked on Wall Street. So we have a lot of individuals who have non-Wall Street jobs. Um, our biggest segment is, is software engineers um, because they tend to be more quantitative. Um, they tend to have a lot of disposable income. And they tend to be kind of curious and, and smart and, and want to figure things out. And so we have a, a ton of individuals that have never worked on Wall Street using Coifin today. Um, we have individuals that used to work on Wall Street that don't work on Wall Street anymore and are looking for something that gives them that kind of um, functionality and ability to do what they were doing before and monitor markets like they were monitoring previously. Um, and then we also have um, you know some composition and some portion of our users today are working in a professional investing capacity. The biggest segment there is financial advisors. So we have a ton of financial advisors using Coifin. That's um, we have uh, we have about a three percent market share today with financial advisors. Wow, which is on par with Factset and Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's um, Morningstar is the biggest player right oh. now in, in, in that. And segment. where were they so at? Like forty percent? They're about forty five percent. Yeah, so wow. they're they're really big. Um, so, you know, financial advisors really like us because we give them access to all this data. Um, if they're on the phone with clients or they're thinking about the investment landscape, they can really dig into ideas and uh, sound smart in front of their clients and be able to pick ETFs and mutual funds. And then, you know, we, we've had some success with more traditional like sell side and buy side firms, although we don't offer some functionality that's pretty critical to, to those firms like an Excel plugin. Um, so, you know, we've had some traction there, but I think those firms require this Excel plugin concept, which we don't provide today. And is there, is that something you can do? It's just a technical thing? It's something that because we license our data from Capital IQ, which is one of the professional providers, one of the reasons they're comfortable licensing their financial data to us is that we don't develop an Excel plugin that would undercut their business directly. And so at some point in the future, we may have a deal with them where we offer an Excel plugin to professional users and charge a much higher fee. Or if you have a Capital IQ license, you can use Coifin to display that data. And so it's an add-on to Capital IQ or something like that. But that's a major kind of hurdle to for mass adoption like on the, on the sell side today. I don't think people really understand the talk about music companies or Google and Apple or now with Schwab merging with TD Ameritrade, the monopolies that are exist in, in the financial industry or oligopolies. It's really quite amazing. You know, you think about the music labels and it's just like, wow, no one can build because someone controls the pipe. 
Yeah, and and um, and the businesses are fantastic. If you look at the, the the margins on those businesses and the consistency of the cash flows and the earnings growth, um, they're they're some of the best businesses. And you can use a, a platform like Coifin to to analyze that. But um, you know, companies like Factset, um, uh, Morningstar, S and P Global um, have all been you know some of the best performing stocks because they have the you know the oligopoly position. Uh, and they're able to increase their pricing year after year um, and you know, grow through acquisitions and, and through pricing power. So many companies have started and raised so much money to take on Bloomberg. You never did. We all knew where we are. Is there a world that exists where Bloomberg fails? I say no. Is there like, there just doesn't feel like there is a world. I, I think there is a world where Bloomberg fails. Um, I don't think it's imminent. Um, I think every company just eventually, well, not every company, but historically companies tended to miss big shifts. Um, and, you know, maybe we just haven't seen that play out in the new technology age. So over the past 30 years, um, but, you know, you look at IBM, you look at GE, and you look at some of these companies that were the leaders and you couldn't even think of any way that they could lose their leadership um, and something changed. With Bloomberg, um, the bottom line is it's an amazing product. It's, yep. it's a really, really good product. Um, it's also mission critical. So they have uh, just really good support. They have really good uptime. Um, they have just real-time data that never goes down or very rarely goes down. Um, and so out of the uh, 200 million investors in the world today, there's 300,000 Bloomberg licenses, which which isn't that much. Oh, wow. Um, so there's 200 million. I thought that number would be higher. So out of how many billion people on earth, there's 200 million investors. Yeah, th- those are kind of like the the like direct investors. That number might be a little bit higher yeah. um, after the pandemic, but that's that's around the number. Um, so Bloomberg has a tiny, tiny market share relative to the number of investors, but in terms of dollars, um, and depends how you measure it. But in terms of dollars and dollars spent and margins on, that they on, have on and those margins, dollars. dollars and margins spent on on professional software, um, they have you know about a I, I think. Thirty percent market share, thirty to, um, you know, I think it's thirty percent was the the latest number. So significant market share when you look at the professional spend and the dollar spend. But if you look at the, the number of people that use Bloomberg, um, it's actually quite low. And so the question is, those three hundred thousand people that pay thirty two thousand dollars a year for Bloomberg, are they going to get rid of Bloomberg? Um, and is there a world where they would get rid of the Bloomberg? There is a world where they would get rid of the Bloomberg. However. Most of those firms are managing billions of dollars, right? Um, and they're they're the spend, last thing they shut off. And 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 their spend is you know they're they're paying traders four million dollars. So if you're if you're paying a trader four million dollars, and you have to pay thirty thousand dollars for the Bloomberg for that trader to generate revenue, like that cost all of a sudden seems insignificant. Um, you know where where Bloomberg is losing some market share today is. Banks that have 800 Bloomberg licenses do all 800 of those people need a Bloomberg, mm-hmm. um, or or um, a financial advisor firm um, that has 12 licenses and stuff like that. And we've had a number of financial advisory firms where there's maybe 20 financial advisors, there's two Bloombergs, and the math is like, hey, should we have two Bloombergs or what or or a Coifin for everyone, and then save, you know, twenty thousand dollars per year? And that's a much more interesting conversation and a much better. You know, th- that's somewhere where we could, where, where we have a potential, or we have a, a way of, of getting in there, and providing real value. 
especially if the financial advisors aren't using all of Bloomberg. They're using a very tiny sliver of Bloomberg for the prices, the watch list, the graphs, everything that Coifin provides today. If you're a trader and you need to you know, trade nickel in Australia and Japan and Malaysia, and you need to have that data in real time, those are very niche products and, and niche data sets that we don't have today. But ultimately, the vision of, of Coifin is we will have access to those data sets we will be. Um, we will have the ability to kind of put that package to a trader and say, whatever data you want, we have access to it, and we could repackage it for you um, in a in a real time way. And the highest price version, of course, was about a thousand dollars a year. Yeah, it's eight, it's seventy dollars a month, eight hundred and forty dollars per year. Yeah, peanuts. Okay, so you figured out how to do all this. You obviously love the market, so this is like a dream gig in many ways. You're geeking out, building something for investors and staring at a screen, which is something they seem to like to do. What are we seeing? It's the summer of 2023. What is interesting to you? What surprises you? What are you excited about? Obviously, you said, you know, we can talk a little bit about AI, but... You have to integrate the world into a terminal. So what is interesting out there? Oh, man, there's so many things that are interesting. Well, take your time. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting how every cycle, there are things that are the same and there are things that are different. Well, fear and greed, correct. But what was different in the same this cycle? So, so I started my career um, in 2002 on, on Wall Street, trying to figure out like what the hell is what. Um, and it takes a while to figure out the lingo, to figure out like what people are talking about. Um, I remember my, my first job, my first week, uh, my boss said, oh, I hope the credit markets don't get a wind of this. We get I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> or like, uh, you know, figuring out like IPOs and uh, how they fit into trade. Like just, there's so much to figure out. And this is something you talk about all the time is just like, just start trading because there's so much lingo. There's so yeah. much. Just, just start doing Best it. Best way to learn is like the Dead Sea. You don't want to know if the Dead Sea hurts? Go shave. And walk in and you will find that salt finds a wound. And that's what investing is. Just go do it. That, that, that's, a, that's a perfect analogy. And, and uh, I don't think I'm going to try that, but definitely. No, but you know what I mean? They tell kids, they go to Israel, don't fucking shave. They tell the girls, don't shave your armpits or your legs before you go in the Dead Sea. What do they all do? Because they don't want to have hair on their legs because there's Jewish boys around. And they go in and they come running out of the Dead Sea. Is, um, that, is that why all the Jewish girls on my birthright trip had hairy legs? Yes. Because okay, they must have lived at the Dead Sea. And by the way, don't marry a girl that wants to live at the Dead Sea. That's not a turn off. By the way, there's a page on Pornhub called Girls of the Dead Sea. <laughs> that is for really sick people. So no. So the best way to start is to start, which is why I love DeToro and Robinhood. And then the next best thing to do is build a dashboard, which is why we invested in Coifin. Like very simple strategies that I've applied to my own you know, product. I think the next phase is education, but go ahead. What was the the cycle? Like what surprised you and didn't surprise you? No, so I remember like 2002, 2003. Yeah, credit. Um, that was like a very different recession because the Fed had cut rates. You had 9-11 that sort of also happened around that time and added to all the uncertainty and, and, and um, just business uncertainty and consumer spending uncertainty. But like at that point, I remember when I started at Goldman, uh, there were a bunch of companies that were trading below cash. Like they'd have ten dollars of cash on the balance sheet, and were trading at like seven dollars a share, and that was like really odd. Hmm. And that was like a unique thing that happened at that time. That I, I, it's I remember. amazing. Think about today, where things what? are twenty times sales, and and tech companies that were yeah. you know like yeah, real companies. 
uh, because people were just so um, uh, hard. They, they, they were so cynical of tech at that time. Um, obviously, 2007, 2008, I think kind of like over the past 20 years, we've been conditioned for rates to be lower mm-hmm. and inflation to be low. Mm-hmm. And so this time around, um, after the Fed had printed all that money, there was kind of like this inflation debate. Uh, will inflation happen or won't it? And look, it, it, like in hindsight, it's like, of course, inflation happened. But it's like, if remember in 2007, 2008, the Fed printed all this money, they yeah. pumped all this stuff into the system. There was no inflation. Rates yeah. never went anywhere. Uh-huh. Um, and and I mean, you also had kind of like Europe blow up right afterwards. Um, so that contributed to the to the downward pull. But um, uh, when we were going through COVID and, and through the cycle, I thought rates were going to stay low because look, like last time around, the Fed had pumped in so much money and rates didn't go anywhere. And you have this, you have these structural problems with uh, demographics and, and people, uh, investors buying treasuries and uh, duration and all this other stuff. And that was something that's totally different. And, and the other thing is whenever, whenever the Fed starts raising rates, short-term rates, the Fed funds rate, um, treasury yields typically decline because the Fed is slowing down the economy. It's it's, yeah. it's putting downward pressure on inflation, and that didn't happen this time around either. Either yeah. so that was you know super really different. Um, I'd say you know with valuations, um, everyone knew valuations were were elevated. Let's say mm-hmm. in SaaS, but they had been for a long time, right? Um, like I have a I have a friend who's been telling me at Lacian uh, ticker team is a short because you know it shouldn't trade at twenty times sales, and I'm like you just don't get you know, this, this secular trend of engineers and stuff like that. And, and, but the market is really humbling in that one, one day the stock trades at 20 times sales. And then three months later, it's trading at eight times sales. With um, sales doubling. With, with, with sales continuing to go up. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and we could take a bunch of examples of companies and in hindsight, it's super easy. And that's where a platform like Coifin comes in is you could really get a historical perspective of, of where things are on a multiple basis. And be a little bit more objective in terms of like, okay, like, what is the risk reward of buying something that's trading two standard deviations above its multiple relative to history, um, and what's the risk reward of buying something that that's trading at um, two standard deviations cheap relative to history, and and having a tool where you can find that context and be able to screen for stocks that meet that criteria, and that if you are um, looking at a new stock to be able to quickly understand that and gain a perspective on that. Um, that's kind of the power that that we bring to the table. And what has you excited? AI, I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not. Um, you know, you never see Bloomberg get excited about anything or the company and they rushed into AI and LLM. Um, let's talk about AI. Like, does it scare you? Does it uh, excite you? Does, you know, so where does AI fit in with you? I'm not sure. We're, uh, you know, it's something we're kind of exploring. I'm, I'm in the camp that this is a, a pretty revolutionary technology. It's a, it's a quantum leap of kind of computing and and how we uh, use computers in in everyday lives and business. So there's going to be just a lot of things that are going to change and a lot of use cases that are going to be discovered. We've we've been kind of playing around with GPT and and their uh, playground um, and some of the APIs that they have. And it's it's pretty incredible what they've built, um, and I think everyone who's kind of been using ChatGPT is is just like has this surprise and a house like holy shit like how does it do this? It's, well, AutoGPT's made it. ChatGPT doesn't do anything for me. AutoGPT, I haven't used it, just saw it being used, blew my mind. 
Yeah, I, I think AutoGPT is a little bit, I would probably take the the flip side of that argument. I think AutoGPT is like really good at marketing because it's like take GPT and take all these use cases and, and do mm-hmm. them automatically, like start a mm-hmm. business and it goes and writes yeah. a business plan and, yeah. and registers the corporation, stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's like someone has to, it has to be like a very specific use case. Like yeah. you wouldn't be able to be like, hey, uh, like I'm, uh, let's say I'm starting a hedge fund. So uh, okay, so that's a good take. I do, I'm a sucker for marketing, obviously. So I thought GPT kind of just blew my mind because it felt like things were happening. Look, I think like the the use cases that are like direct for GPT, which are like just obvious, are summarization. Like it summarizes really well. So um, so use cases like hey. Um, you know, here's a transcript uh, that uh, from a company earnings call that's like 18 pages long. Give me the, the takeaways or give me a summary, and giving um, a user bullet point of summary. Like it's really good at that. Or here are the articles um, about you know about margins. Or here's here's where um, a margin compression is me- is mentioned. Give me uh, a summary of of those articles and what management is saying and why it happened. It'll go in and do that. Like it's really good at summarizing. And it's also good at creating content. So creating content and at least a first version of content is is really good. So write me um, a web page um, about uh, how to analyze margins or why are dividends important. So if uh, like using this for SEO or article writing is is really powerful. Um, I don't know if you've used it for like emails, but it's really good for emails. Like if you're too lazy to write a long email and you're like. I'm writing an email to a candidate. Um, I think he's great. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I really liked on his resume that he worked here. Um, I think that he could be very strong because he did X. Like, write me uh, an email with those attributes and it'll write you uh, kind of like a nice email with those attributes. And so that saves time, right? Saves you from like writing all those kind of filler words and structuring it and editing it and stuff like that. Um, I think there's something to be said about like writing styles, so it doesn't write in your style necessarily, yeah. but as a version one or as a draft, I think it's really good. But for you, are you seeing any immediate applicable cases? Yeah. So for us, the way we're like, like so we can, for example, use that stuff when we're thinking about content. Mm-hmm. Um, I think GPT is- Because it could a, be a, great, like just constantly filling up social with idea generation. Yeah, or like repack. Like, what what do reporters do? They read other things, like press yeah. releases, and then write articles about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is like a very, very good use case to do that. Um, for us, you know, GBT has some potential in being a co-pilot for Coifin. So, one of the things about Coifin and one of the downsides of Coifin is it, it's a really complex product. A lot of people don't know what to do with it. So, a lot of our users, not you, Howard, but just don't know the in, ins and outs of Coifin. No, it's so it's tough. Like, it's, there's so much there's, to there's do. There's so much to do. Well, right? Even so, on stock twits, there's so much to do. And people just go and yell. Yeah. So so like with Coifin, wouldn't it be cool if you had a prompt and you say, I want to look at the valuation of Adobe. You know, what should I do? And then um, what GPT does in the background is it understands kind of the context of what you're asking. It has a repository and a database of all the functionality that that we have in our system and what it does. And it basically answers that question with examples and letting you um, then click on each link. So if you want to look at the valuation of Adobe, you can look at um, the valuation graphs over time. You can look at Adobe's valuation versus the sector. You would It's basically like the workflow of what I would do or an analyst would do. Hey, if I want to look at the valuation of a company, this is what I would do. And then the magic behind this is it, it can connect the context of the question with the actual functions of what needs to be done 
and then lay them out and explain it. Um, so I think there's something to be said there. And, and so this co-pilot concept of allowing a user to, it's almost like intelligently search a pretty complex uh, system. I think there's a lot of potential there for Goyfin and, and that's something that we're exploring. Um, and then maybe like a more complex use case, like let's say you're like, hey, um, I want to find banks like Silicon Valley Bank or what are some banks that have risks that, that Silicon Valley Bank has? So what I would do as an analyst, I, I would think about like, why did Silicon Valley Bank fail? Uh, well, it failed because its portfolio of health to maturity treasuries as a percentage of total assets is very high, right? That's a screen that I would run. Um, and then the other thing is its uh, growth rate of assets or its inflows or its cash deposits were uh, much higher over the past two years relative to other banks. And they had to kind of like put that money somewhere and it basically bought treasuries at the wrong time, completely the wrong time. So those are two things that I would think about as screening tools to find banks similar to Silicon Valley Bank. So can ChatGPT read a bunch of articles about Silicon Valley Bank's failure and narrow it down to those two points? As like, hey, the media has been talking about these two points as um, two variables which led to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Can I now that tie that to a screening tool or to all the variables in Coifin and find companies that have a similar profile. Yeah. Um, and so the question is, can we get to a point where that's automated and that's automatic? And you could ask that about anything, um, like find me companies that um, are doing well um, and and benefiting from AI deployment. And then go into maybe the transcripts and go into the financials or go into the risk disclosures or go into the 10Q um, and really kind of like tease out the relevant concept. So I think that has a lot of potential. What is the future look like? What what are you excited about besides AI? Is it this new generation? Is it crypto? Is it, uh, I think inflation will persist longer, just like low interest rates persisted. Obviously, the government could prove me wrong, hopefully. I kind of hope we go to surplus, and I'm all for everybody just printing money till the end of time because I've only got a couple of years left. So I'll be dead before the real inflation comes. Um, but that's a selfish take, and I'm a giver. So what uh, what do you see if we were to check back in a year? What what do you think happens when you come back in a year? Um, so a year is a very short time frame. Um, so let's say three years. So what I think doesn't happen is I don't think um, I don't think AI takes jobs and and kind of like you know does uh, basically replace people completely. I think either do I. I don't uh, think that. I think I think to the extent that Excel helped accountants and then replace accountants. Or, or calculators, I think there's like a very similar productivity boost, yeah. um, but there's going to be some shift in jobs and, and the people who weren't really doing anything, I think are going to have to find another job or think about doing something else. But in terms of like replacing, um, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, in terms of the market, uh, I'm not sure where I'm probably a little bit more bullish than maybe sentiment is, but valuations are not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. I think you have... Um, you have an economy that's deteriorating and, and this is likely going to enter recession. All the indicators are pointing that direction. It's also uh, shrinking globally it, 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 at it's some a, level. It, it's, it's also shrinking. Um, I think the, you know, I think the debt can't grow forever. Um, I, I don't think today is the level that like, people quote 130% or 140, yeah. whatever that number is. Um, I think it's really the debt service that matters. So not, it's not the actual percentage. It's can you actually pay your bill, your interest expense bill? 
um, and we're able to to pay our interest expense bill. We have no problems in doing that, at least for the foreseeable future. But that's not something that's that's infinite, um, and it's also something that at some point um, it, it just sort of stops, right? And and so for um, kind of like Silicon Valley Bank, it was just like everything was fine, everything was fine, but it had a liquidity problem um, more so than a solvency problem in that people wouldn't lend to it. And so if you're growing your um, your debt infinitely for, for a long time, that's going to come to bite you. But I don't think we're close to that at all in the US. So I don't think that's a three-year issue. Um, but you know, I think the, the potential of um, this kind of new AI technology to boost productivity and allow companies to be more efficient, I think that's pretty real. I think that's very bullish. Um, and I think that could have a pretty significant impact on margins over the next three years. Um, so uh, I, I think there's more of a chance that companies will do more with the people they have today rather than have mass layoffs and replaceable AI. So I think the average person will be able to generate more and, and produce more um, because of this um, and not have a scenario where people are being laid off in mass and being replaced with AI. Apple or Google? I know Microsoft gets around, but Apple or Google, which is more impressive to you five years out? Um, I think Google has more raw brain power. I think Apple has a better business and is more disciplined and has, has a better wedge. So I think I think Google has a, I think it has some risks in terms of people coming after their business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Apple has just such a monopoly on the end user and being able to then tack on other services like banking and services. Yeah. Um, so I think Apple is probably the better investment. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Google has the upside now because if we're wrong about AI, you got all that catch up to do about, you know, if the prompt isn't the thing and search box still remains the thing, it could surprise some people. Yeah. I think Google is has a really robust AI uh, knowledge and, and workers and, and talent in the company. Um, my biggest concern would be that Google, like if you think about cloud, Google threw so many resources after cloud and they just haven't been able to keep up um, with Amazon and Azure. And, and there's clearly the potential there, but can they execute on it? And yeah. that's the thing that- um, Really I mean, amazing that companies of that size can do it. You worked there this summer since your first intern job. You weren't chief of staff. Any questions for Rob? Um, but as a 19-year-old using everything. a product, it's, it's cool that 19-year-olds use the product in 99. Do you get excited about that? I think you get a lot of love about the product. It's not like a mass product. Whenever I check, it's just people are happy with the product. Yeah. Our core and ideal customer profile, uh, they're very happy with the product. You know, we're definitely meeting random people who use the product. Um, you know, I was at a product meetup a couple of weeks ago in Miami, and um, there was just randomly uh, a user that's a paid user, and he's like, oh my God, I use your product. And that was cool to see. Um, so. We have a really nice user base today. Is it mostly U.S.? It's about 70% U.S. and Canada and 30% uh, rest of the world. Got it. So 69% U.S., 1% Canada, 30% rest of the world. The uh, All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. Um, the product's amazing, everybody. K-O-Y-F-I-N. Do we have a discount for this uh, podcast? Yeah, we should, yeah. Put a, we should put a discount. Yeah. You type in Howard or Pornhub and you get two years free. <laughs> <laughs> type in girls of the dead sea and uh, you have a lifetime free membership the uh is that all in one word or with <laughs> Dude, spaces? if i have to explain it to my users 
then they don't get anything for free. <laughs> no soup for you. No coifin for you. All right, buddy. I'm going to see you next week for a, for a meal in uh, Miami Beach. Um, white linen? What, what should I bring? White linen always works. All right, buddy. And uh, we will see you next week in uh, Miami. Thanks, Howard. Talk soon. K-Nut! Hey, 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 Mr. Linzoni. Ethan Burke. Linzen. Pretty cool, huh? That was your first gig. That was my first gig. And now you're doing some work for Beehive, too. I am, yep. So for those kids out there, Ethan just called, cold called his way into my life? Yes, I did. Cold email. Cold email. I just, I'm always amazed. Your son just got a gig. Yes. In the big city. Yep. Yeah. Probably some cheap housing right in the center of town. (laughs) (laughs) Kids are getting jobs. Jesus, kids are smart. I don't know what everybody else is, but these kids are smart. They are loaded to the gill. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Max just uh, made a Venmo request. There's been six Venmo requests. That's a record of the podcast, six Venmo requests, this podcast. You are listening to Panic with Howie, sometimes Panic with Friends. We uh, sit here with uh, the Knutster. People love Knut. Hard to replace him with AI. The Norwegian angle is very tough. He's, He's wedged himself in here. You can search my name, Howard Linson, or Panic with Friends. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, uh, not Pornhub, and you will get a subscribe button. You can subscribe to Howie and never have to worry again. Get a podcast once a week. We will see everybody next week. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of social leverage or stock twits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.